من عندي ومن دي حلوة حسنك في القلب معلم عايز كام حسب التسعيرة سيبك من دي وفضها سيرة Hello everybody and welcome to our 26th episode of Thinking Aloud About Film. Uh, some of you might not know, but we have also been doing a Youssef Shaheen podcast uh, and we have done 38 previous uh, podcasts on Shaheen, uh, mostly about Shaheen's films, but we have also done, uh, like with Hu Shaoshen, uh, podcasts on contextual films. Yeah, films that help us understand uh, the work of, you know, the filmmaker in focus uh, better. The last Yusef Shaheen podcast was in April, uh, but the last podcast on a Yusef Shaheen film was Dawn of a New Day, where we had Hussein from Egypt kind of guiding us through uh, the film uh, through various episodes as well, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, so today we have returned uh, to the work of Yusef Shaheen, and the main impetus for doing so is that Mubi has a series now called Yusef Shaheen, Son of the Nile, and they are uh, screening uh, a series of films, mainly his early ones from the 1950s, though uh, they're also showing The Land and The Return of the Prodigal Son, and uh, they are being screened in copies that we wish we would have been able to see when we first podcast on these films. So one of the main reasons for returning uh, is is really to talk about uh, the quality of uh, these uh, new films, uh, well, these old films that uh, uh, Mubi is screening in very beautiful print, so Daddy Amin and Devil of the Desert. So, Richard, thoughts? Absolutely. So, as, as you say, the, the ones on Mubi, most of them are actually also on Netflix and have been on Netflix for a while, but there are these, and, and the ones on Netflix are in nice restorations, but there are two here that we managed to see in very dodgy copies um, last year and talked about then, but it's, ju it's just a, a real treat to see them in, in decent quality. Um, so, so yeah, we, we've watched Daddy I Mean, we've watched um, Devil of the Desert, both great films and both, I think I appreciate a lot more having seen them in these versions than in the, the, the poor, very poor versions we saw earlier. Let's, let's go through them film by film. So uh, Daddy Amin is the earlier one. It's from 1950. Uh, it's a very early film. Uh, Yusuf Shaheen was a very young man when he made it. Uh, and so what, what did you think of it the second time around? So when we saw it before, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's his first film as director. Um, I think you know, he was sort of early 20s. It's a domestic comedy. Um, it's a very simple plot that the his father of the family dies after being scammed and then comes back as a ghost and then you know, uh, everything falls apart and it's, it's all great fun. When we saw it before, I, we saw it as a film of two halves. So the first 40 minutes or so, it's very flatly directed, didn't really work so well. And then it really comes to life later on with some real kind of directorial flourishes in, in the nightclub scenes and, and the song and dance numbers and, and, and the comedy. Um, this time around, I enjoyed the first section a lot more. And I think part of the reason for that was the, the subtitles. Um, so the, the original copy we saw had French subtitles, which were French subtitles from the 50s. 
um, and which weren't very good subtitles. They were burnt into the print, and actually they're still burnt into the print that's, that's been restored. Um, but they didn't really cover all the dialogue. They didn't cover the comedy. They didn't they didn't translate the songs. Um, and so actually now I think you get much more of a of an impression of the the kind of domestic humour of what's going on with the family in the first section, and it's far more enjoyable. But also the the film just looks a lot better. It's not a pristine restoration. I think it's fair to say. You know, clearly the quality of the source material for this one isn't great. Um, so as I say, no, it it has some pristine moments. It, it does, and yeah. the, 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 there's some sections. I mean, there's one shot in particular where where they drive out to the desert and they're standing near the pyramids. And I I didn't remember that at all from the previous yeah. time I saw it. And so I went back to look at the version we originally saw. And the, the version we originally saw, it just looks like it could be a studio backdrop because you can't tell. Whereas actually yeah. now it looks like you know, it's, it's an amazing bit of location filming. It's glossy and beautiful and, you know, very evocative. Uh, I think I might make a postcard out of it, actually. Uh, I think I might make a postcard out of one image of uh, Omar Sharif in The Devil of the Desert, and then in the background put that image from, from Daddy. I mean, they're both beautiful. Um, I I don't know if I mentioned this, because I haven't had an opportunity to review the podcast of uh, Daddy, I mean, but this time it struck me more like a Busby Berkeley film from the early 1930s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we, um, when I, I, I did listen to what we said before, and I think we, we, we touched on the 30s mu- Hollywood musicals. I don't think we mentioned Busby Berkeley, but we we, we did talk about Swing Time was, was something that you particularly mentioned. Mm. Well, the reason for it, I mean, not Busby Berkeley in terms of the way that the musical numbers are staged, but Busby Berkeley in the sense that those films like Footlight Parade you know, they'll have like uh, 50 minutes of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, drama, yeah, story, and then they'll have three or four musical numbers piled on at the back, one after the other, after the other, after the other, right? And this felt like that. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you, you get the bulk of the story, and it's, you know, it's very inventive and imaginative. I was, I was pretty much gobsmacked, actually, this time around by some of the things Shaheen was already doing uh, so young. Um, but then you have musical number after musical number, and they're beautifully staged, mm. yeah? Yeah, of. yeah. And they, 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 to me, the, the, the musical numbers themselves were an attempt at an evocation of an MGM style of musical, yeah? But the structure of the film in relation to the musical numbers felt very Warner's, Bar- Busby Berkeley, early 1930s. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure those were influences. Oh, well, because, I mean, and as, as we've discussed previously, he was, yeah, he was at university or at film school in the States in the, in the mid to late 40s. And he would he he would have returned to Egypt two or three years before making this film. So clearly those things were, were, in, were in his mind. And he would yeah. have seen those films. He, yeah. he wasn't at film school. He was at acting school. That's, that, that's right, yeah. 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 Uh, which is different. Uh, and again, um, very interesting in terms of his work because you do see actors come alive in, in his hands, actually. Uh, so he knows about acting. Yeah. But then he also, you know, knows about mise-en-scene. And actually, you know, some of the things are, are beautiful to see. There was uh, one one scene in the nightclub, which is very banal. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't know if I was just paying attention this time or, you know, the, you see the film again and you see different things. It's a very banal scene. It's just kind of, you know, going into the nightclub, really. 
But if you look closely, it's all done in one shot, right? Uh, so the camera moves, and as the camera moves, you get people walking, you know, in the opposite direction that the main character is walking, and then someone in the background to create depth, you know, will also move alongside the main character. Or, yeah, they're all just these little techniques and tricks of, you know, keeping the uh, image m moving, but also an attempt to create three-dimensionality through the staging of the characters within the shot. That you just think... It's 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 great, right? Like you know, it's the work of someone who knows. Absolutely, and, and there's that amazing sequence which, which we did talk about last time, but it, it still struck me as a as a great. It's kind of the point in the film where suddenly you think, yeah, this is this this guy's a great filmmaker. It's the sequence where Fatin Hamama is auditioning in the nightclub and she starts singing. And we and actually the great thing is now we now see the subtitles, so we know what she's singing, which we didn't before. Yes. Um, but you you then see all these shots of various people in various jobs in the nightclub just starting to hear her sing. And you see, you see these, this series of shots, and then it returns to Fatin Hamama, and then you return to the same series of shots, but, you know, it's all empty chairs, you know, the people have gone. And then you see, actually, they've all gathered at the door because they're all blown away by her singing, and, and it's just a great sequence. And I want to underline how great it is, because there's a very similar sequence in the current respect. Yeah, uh, oh, right, okay. Film the film about Aretha Franklin, where you have Aretha Franklin as a child begin to sing, and she's meant to blow everyone away. And A, you're not. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, she's okay, but, you know, she's not that good. But then also the way that it's staged. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, you know, the, the director should have seen this film to show how it's done properly. If, right? I would have because loved that, to see an Aretha Franklin biopic directed by Yusuf Shaheen. That would have just been yes! fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing, and, you know, I'm going to annoy all my British friends, but, you know, I, I, I have... One, one of the things that I hate about British cinema is that often you have people who direct a play, and actually almost every famous British uh, director of the stage has made a film. Mm. Yeah, you know, I was watching... And writers. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was, um, I was watching a documentary on who, who wrote Leopoldstrasse. Tom Stoppard. Tom yeah. Stoppard. I was watching a documentary on Tom Stoppard, and he's directed a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's a writer. And the thing is, you can tell, right? And I was watching, there's a, 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 a Benedict Cumberbatch spy film on at the moment. Mm. The, uh, the Courier. What it, the Courier. Yeah. You know, and you could see this person doesn't know a camera from their ass, really. Like, it's clearly someone who's seen, a, you know, who's, who's had success on stage, yeah, and might be very adept with that form, but actually who, who just really doesn't know the first thing about uh, cinema. Mm. And I find it upsetting, really, because it speaks to an arrogance and a class arrogance and also a disdain for cinema. There's not yeah. something that yeah, Dom involves Dominic Cook, who was the artistic director of the Royal Court for a while. Yeah, yeah exactly. So a very good, you know, very good stage director. Um, yeah, but, I'm sure fantastic yeah. stage director. It does not translate to cinema. Yeah, <laughs> like it, yeah. it's a different medium, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it annoys me, right? <laughs> uh, and it annoys me because actually, you know, if you analyze it, it does speak this class arrogance, you know, uh, uh, and also the um, the prominence that the stage has in British culture, which I don't disagree with, and I don't. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. But then the concomitant disdain for cinema that anybody can do it, which is absurd. It's, it's really almost like, you know, 
uh, I mean, a form that requires so many skills, that involves so many people, you know, that is, yeah, and you think you could just walk into it and kind of, it's absurd, it annoys me, right? And, 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 and Shaheen is a wonderful test of that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he is someone who knows, really. I mean, there are some scenes in The Blazing Sun, they're almost Fordian, right? So you have these, you know, this, these soldiers marching in the desert, right? And you could see how, how terrible, uh, you know, someone like the director of the Courier would have done it. You know, whereas with Shaheen, as you have soldiers in the foreground, you know, you have heads hidden in the first sand dune. There's another sand dune, right? And then they all kind of march on. And, and the thing is, you, if we believe what we're told in the Alexandria trilogy, Shaheen was a really terrible stage director. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so, I didn't know that. Well, because of all this, you know, when he's trying to put on the school productions in Alexandria Y and the sets are all collapsing and it's a complete disaster. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I don't have anything against stage directors. You know, Orson Welles, you know, was a great stage director and a great filmmaker. Vincente Minnelli, you know, had an, an enormous run of hits on Broadway and then he was, a, you know, a great director. But it's just the arrogance of being, of thinking that you can walk from one to the other without having to learn yeah. anything in the this process. Is, this is completely right. off topic and I'll probably cut it out, but there was a brilliant headline talking to Tom Stoppard. And it was an interview with his son, Ed Stoppard. And it was like... My surname has been a millstone around my neck throughout my career, says Ed Stoppard, currently playing the lead role in Tom Stoppard's new play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boo-hoo, <laughs> Anyway, um, let's move into Devil of the Desert, because, you know, this is the one that the reviewing has made such a... Oh, God, yeah, because the, the, the version we saw, because oh. I, I listened to... I haven't, re-looked at the version we saw but the version we saw originally was a vhs recording from an arab tv broadcast with english subtitles that had been uploaded to a video sharing site it had like the pitch kept cutting out you got tra tracking problems the soundtrack kept being interrupted <laughs> with football scores and, and techno, techno music, music and stuff <laughs> um and so yeah it, it was a not and and the the picture quality was terrible. And I, I listened yesterday, after, after I rewatched the film, I listened yesterday to our discussion of it. And we were kind of, it was kind of, yeah, we think this is a really good film, but we can't really tell. Um, we could see there were great things about it. And I, and I think we were, um, we, when we first watched it, we were like, we really liked it from what we could see of it. But we thought it was probably quite a slight film, you know, a bit of a kind of, pure entertainment but actually watching it in this decent copy i have a, a, a whole different appreciation of it i mean clearly it is just an entertainment film but it's really well made i mean it's, it's spectacular um mm. it's, it's but really tell good. me tell me more so you know uh if you see it as as more than an entertainment film what do you see it as do you think it has I don't necessarily see it as more than an entertainment film but i see it as a, as a really really incredibly well made very high budget for the period and, and location very you know, brilliantly filmed brilliantly staged loads of extras spectacular battle sequences great song and dance sequences and, and omar sharif and fatin hamama both looking great and you know it, it's it's a, re a really really good film i think what, what, what do yeah. you think i well no i think so too i mean you know uh this is how bad my memory is because you know when I when I saw it again today, I thought, oh my God, it's Zorro, right? Because I've been doing a bit of work on Zorro. 
And of course, then I listened to our podcast and I, I had caught it the first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's Zorro <laughs> and, it, and it's Adventures of Robin Hood kind of mashed up together and set in Egypt. Uh, in, a, in a sword and sandal yeah, epic, yeah. right? And actually, so there's something there because, you know, one of the things about Yusef Shaheen, he is clearly, you know, um, well, as far as we know, in my view of what I've seen of Egyptian cinema, you know, the greatest director in kind of Egyptian film history, certainly a world-class director. And so on the one hand, there's his Egyptianness, yeah, which you, you very much get a, a kind of a history of Egyptian culture in the mid-century from watching his films. But on the other hand, you see how conversant he was with American culture in particular, but also broader strands of European popular culture. And you could just see it in terms of what this film is. So the sword and sandal films that were coming out of Italy, you know, the Zorro films that had just, uh, you know, uh, uh, that were relatively recently, yeah, like, uh, you know, the Tehran Power versions and so on were 1940s, right? And then there were other, like, uh, I forget what the, uh, something of the Fox, yeah, which was also a Tehran Power film, which is very similar to Zorro. Again, you know, the late 40s, that kind of period. So these would have been films that Shaheen would have seen, you know, five, ten years before making yeah, this one. And the, yeah. and the thing is, he was only 28 when he made this. He's a very, yes. very young director. And it, just the scale of it, um, you know, and we talked, we, we did talk about this last time that, that you know, the, some of the hallmarks of his filming of the kind of later historical epics where, you know, you get the main characters are kind of standing up on a rocky outpost. And but then like in the there are different planes of action and in the far distance, you just see all these extras on horseback riding towards you. And, and, and it's, it's just, you know, amazingly marshalling all these um, all, all these different parts of the action at the same time. It's yes. really good. And a, a big difference between Daddy Amin and The Devil of the Desert is that Daddy Amin is still, in some ways, stuck on the stage. Yeah. So you know the fir the early uh, sequences, the first forty five minutes or so, you could see how it's really influenced and maybe conversant with, you know, variety and music hall and farce and. You know, th that that kind of satirical comedy, you know, uh, in, in Spain we would call sainete, uh, you know, comedies of manners, yeah? Uh, but with a very broad acting style and situations and, you know, kind of recognizable uh, uh, stereotypes, yeah? And so on. Uh, so you could see the stage, yeah? Uh, particularly through the acting, yeah? Very, very much in that, I mean. Was in The Devil of the Desert, it's almost like, Pure cinema. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing about that, that, to sort of return to Daddy Amin for a minute. It, it, the beginning does feel like a stage play to the extent you think is is this a film version of a play? But apparently not. I mean, it was based on. You know, Shaheen had the idea, and it was based on his own family. You know, um, but but yeah, you're, you're right. It, it is very stagey. I think one thing that's interesting about watching these two films, in a way that because when we when we first started working through these on on, on Netflix. The only fifties films they had were um, the Blazing Blazing Sky and or Blazing Sun. I always, get, I always forget which one. Blazing Sun, Blazing Sun, and Dark Waters, the two two Omar Sharif and Hamama uh, melodramas. Um, and they so they didn't have these other films. And oh, sorry, and obviously they had Cairo Station as well. But the, the two of the very early films were, were just those two Omar Sharif ones. Um, both and they're, they're both. This is one thing we said when we talked about this film last time that both those films are quite similar in 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 the 
style of filming and the type of nature of the plot and so on. So you really just get a view of one type of filmmaking Shaheen was doing. But actually, now on Mubi, you have the opportunity to watch, you know, Papa Amin and Blazing Sun and um, Devil of the Desert and Dark Water. So actually, you get a much, it's not all of his films, but you get a much fuller picture of what he was up to in that period. And one thing that's interesting is that when you think about the films he went on to make later, there's these various different strands. There's kind of these um, sort of domestic dramas and and comedies set in the kind of middle class Egyptian milieu with these families that are all various versions of Sheen's family. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and we see that in Papa Amin. There's then these historical epics like Saladin, like Destiny, uh, like Adio Bonaparte. And we see that in um, Devil of the Desert. And then there's these kind of more uh, kind of political class-based dramas or melodramas like, um, um, I forget. Jamila. Like Jamila, like um, The Sparrow. The Sparrow. And we see that to an extent in Dark Water and the Blazing Sun. So it's interesting that right from the start, in the, and these are some of his, these, these are not his first three films, but among his earliest films, he's actually doing all those things and, and they, they all go forward. Hmm. Um, I was I was very struck by the range of techniques on view in uh, The Devil of the Desert. You know, so some of the fight sequences, uh, you could say they lack finesse, right? Like, you know, so they're always a little bit play acting right? You could see that there aren't the means to get it absolutely perfect. Yet you also feel, well, you don't need them. You can imagine it. You go with the flow of it, right? And it has spectacular stunts like Omar Sharif jumping on his horse, you know, where it's clearly him uh, who's who's jumping. But then there are also things where he speeds up the film, yeah, to give a, a heightened sense of action, right? And, you know, that kind of technique or use of technique combined with the way that he visualizes the ghostly Daddy Amin, yeah, in the earlier film, it just gives you a range of, yeah, uh, it just gives you a sense of the range of his visual storytelling abilities, right? Um, and he creates moments of real beauty. I mean, I was, you know, the scenes in the well, uh, there are shots of just people going up the stairs that you just feel they're perfectly framed, right? The, the other one along those lines is the, and we, again, we talked about this last time, but the um, the scene in Daddy Amin where Fatin Hamama is, gets drunk um, because she's yes. been drinking what she's told is cough medicine. And there's just a, a close-up of, you see her, she's in the background, there's a close-up of, of the kind of brandy glass. And you know, yes. the brandy glass is just at the right level of the edge of the table when it's filled up with, with, with brandy. And, and it's just really, you know, it's really I nice think I frame. put that image in our blog you did, yeah, post. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, listeners can 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 look at it. Um, I was also struck just by uh, the beauty of the compositions, the scene in the caves when they enter the caves, yeah. And it's got a mobile camera, uh, and still it's just kind of you know uh, astonishing images, really, like beautiful images, uh, beautiful images that simultaneously are. Uh, creating feeling and evoking meaning. They're not just beautiful. They're not just beautiful to be pretty on their own. They're actually beautiful and they're communicating something, right? Uh, which, you know, to me is, is the sign of a great filmmaker. Yeah. Well, one other thing we talked about last time, which is still a bit of a mystery, because we, we, the, the version of this film we saw, we talked about whether we'd actually seen 
the full version or if there were parts of it missing because it's slightly yeah. disjointed. And the answer is, yeah, we we had seen the full version because this is the same length as the version we saw, this restored version. But it does still feel slightly disjointed in places. You know, it kind of leaps from place to place. And particularly the ending I found very abrupt. I actually got, when the film was coming to an end, I actually got, got distracted for like five seconds and just looked away to my laptop and then suddenly found the film had finished. I had to wind back to see if I'd missed something. Um, but it, it does it does almost feel like it's been edited down from a, a kind of two-hour film because it is quite short. Maybe. I'm sure you're right. Uh, it is disjointed. Uh, but then again, so many of the sword and sandal Italian films are disjointed. Yeah, again, and it did uh, sort of remind me a little bit of the, in the way it kept cutting from place to place and, and, and you know, you, you, you'd fade to black and then open up in the location. It reminded me very much, as you say, of, of those uh, sword and sandals things, but also of kind of, 1930s and 40s um, movie serials, you know, the Zorro serials or, you know, Flash Gordon or whatever, where you get these screen dissolves and, and, it, and it goes into a new a new adventure and a new, a new thing. So it's almost like that kind of thing. Hmm. I think, to me, this is a very instructive film about uh, Shaheen and kind of uh, an indicator of what he would go on to produce later. You know, because on the one hand, it's a commercial film, it, it gives you all the pleasures that you expect of a sword and sandal film, right? It's got, like, two really magnetic stars, yeah? I mean, you know, the way that uh, Omar Sharif is introduced, it's, he, gets a, he gets a star entrance, like an archetypal Hollywood star entrance, and, you know, he's made to seem beautiful and sexy and, you know, uh, uh, and so on. So you have the pleasure of the stars. You have the pleasure of the action, yeah, of the comedy, of, uh, you know, b uh, battle sequences and songs and love scenes. Yeah, kind of, mm. it's got it all. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and, and all very well done. And on the other hand, I think you could, you could make more serious claims about the film. You know, it is uh, a film about tyranny, right? Uh, about, you know, a ruler who's tyrannical, who can do anything they want. Uh, including transgressing all norms, i.e., kind of raping women from his uh, that are his own subjects, uh, and of course a resistance uh, to that uh, that comes from a coalition of the subaltern, right? Like uh, 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 so, I think that you know, in kind of uh, climates that are at least leaning towards totalitarianism, yeah. It's a film with a kind of a powerful yeah, message. Yeah, because it, as you say, it, it's interesting in the context of things of, of quite a few of the other films, like um, Blazing Sun or later on The Land, where it, it's all about this kind of feudal societies and, and land ownership and the, you know, the 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 sort of upper class exploiting the the tribes people and the villagers and all the workers or whatever, and also in the context of, of with with Saladin, where it's where it really it's all about you know, NASA creating this united Arab world, you know, um, and, you know, uniting all these disparate countries and dis disparate belief systems um, in a way that kind of, that happens in Saladin and in a way that kind of happens here where it's the different, uh, you know, the different peoples kind of banding together. The the other thing that was interesting, because we, when we talked about this before, we compared it a lot to Saladin, which we had already seen. The one we'd not seen when we watched this before was, was Destiny. And which is from the yes. late 90s. And there's, there's yes. some very interesting similarities there. 
uh, particularly with the this so destiny is is a, there are these two sons of the caliph and one just wants one wants to dance with the gypsies which is also what happens yes. with omar sharif there's a very similar dance sequence where the gypsies are all singing songs about how great it is being a gypsy and and yeah omar sharif or i think it's mosin mahayden in, in destiny yeah. kind of join, joining in um so very similar sequence there's also the sequence in this one where Omar Sharif is is uh, swimming and and uh, kind of emerges from the water in his very clinging <laughs> outfit uh, to meet the Fatin Hamama on the on the, the bank, and again a very similar sequence happens in in Destiny with, with the other son who kind of emerges from the water and just a, it's a very similar sequence and the way it's filmed is very similar. So it's sort of interesting that we can see these these patterns from this very early film to something he would make forty years later. Hmm. I um. I see that very clearly. I mean, you know, you begin to see all these patternings and all these relations across uh, Shaheen films. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, I appreciated even more than the first time around watching these two films, and again, because, as you say, due to the subtitles, is the songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which are a very important part of both films. You know, they are films with musical numbers in them without quite being musicals as we understand them to be. Uh, but they're very beautiful songs and they're and they're very beautifully sung. And actually, I want to um, posit that as a great value on its own. Yeah, so sometimes watching Spanish films of the 1950s, they're really terrible, like nowhere <laughs> near any of this, right? But then they'll have one of the great singers of the day singing a song, right? And it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's not just a record of that performer singing that it almost doesn't exist anywhere else. There wasn't television then in, in Spain, right? Uh, so, but but more than a record, actually, you know, you 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 uh, become aware of why they are considered to be so great. They are. It's kind of like, you know, and I think there are moments in these two films like that. Yeah, that, uh, you know, the singing has either great charm or great feeling. Yeah, uh, I think I made a trailer for Daddy Amin uh, with um, uh, Fatim Hamima singing one of them that kind of, you know, I, I chose because of its charm, really. Uh, but in The Devil of the Desert, I think some of the songs are just kind of very, very beautiful, romantic love songs, really. Uh, though there are more. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, I think I appreciated those more this time around as well. Uh, okay, any last words on these wonderful new versions of these two films? Um, I would say the, yeah, these are both well worth watching. I think if if you want to, if you're if you're new to Shaheen, then it's this is a great way of getting an overview of his early career. I mean, I would say if you, you know, if you only want to watch one fifties Shaheen film, then maybe watch the blazing sky or cairo station but if you want to actually cairo station yeah cairo station is the obvious one but uh but if you but if you want to get you can get a really nice overview of his career by watching if his career started by watching these four 50s films that are on movie um so it's, it's a really nice introduction they will be adding more and you know I, at the moment the ones that are listed to be added are all ones that are all on netflix but hopefully there'll be some more that aren't on Netflix. But even, even if they are all on Netflix with movie, you're getting much more context and a much more kind of curated approach to it. So I would, uh, uh, it's it's kind of good that us, you know, 
as you say, we did lots of Shaheen podcasts and we kind of got distracted by this, what was going to be a brief diversion into Taiwanese cinema, but <laughs> much more extensive than that. But it's, but actually it's worked really well because it means we can now come back to this while there's a bit of a focus on him on, on movie. And also there's a BFI Arab cinema season as well, which we'll, we'll be talking about a bit as well. We'll be talking about later. Uh, I would also add that if you've never quite understood why your mom or your grandma was so crazy about Omar Sharif? <laughs> watch, watch these films. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're his, they're his earliest ones. They're the ones that really made him a star. And they are the platform to his uh, international stardom. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the and 60s. we talk in depth about his later career in the other podcast about this film. And so we, I think let's not dwell on it now. <laughs> yeah. Don't cut me off. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for listening we are uh, talking aloud about film and this is a return to the Yusef Shaheen podcast I'm Jose I'm Richard bye 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 Yeah.